Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Okay, delighted to welcome engineer, producer, composer, Maria Elisa Ayobe. How are you doing, Maria? I'm all good. Amazing. Um, so you're in Miami today. Have you been there the last crazy two, three years or so? I've been in Miami for uh, seven years now. Yeah. And, but I yeah. mean, particularly with regards to the last two years, how's that been for you, especially as a studio person as well? Well, uh, Miami, as it was uh, famously, uh, it was worldwide known, uh, Miami never closed during the pandemic. So um, it has been pretty busy. Fortunately, I am one of the very few on uh, people here in Miami who hasn't gotten any COVID yet. Um, it required a lot of um, studio, which is studio time, which is regularly what I do anyway, COVID times or not. Um, fortunately, I don't get to see many people. Uh, that is by choice of our career, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, but Miami was pretty much open. It didn't even have any restrictions whatsoever. There hasn't been any type of mandate. So um, actually for the studio business, it has been really, really good because it sort of uh, bursted a new era in the music industry production here locally. And it also many people from California, New York and other areas from the U.S., um, moved to Miami because of the way business was ha- being handled over here. Mm. Yeah, I forget that obviously in the States, things vary from state to state, of course, don't they? So, so yeah. So basically things are very different in Miami to some other states. A lot more freedom of movement, it sounds like. Absolutely. New York was pretty much locked up for the first year and a half. California stayed like that almost for two years. They really started, began opening summer around 2022 so um that benefited quite a lot the the music industry and the and the studio business here in miami because miami wasn't still it hasn't been recognized nationally in the u.s for being like a like a studio city um but uh but it, things have changed a lot for the past two years yeah it must have caused a lot of friction between different states in america right well, you guys it, are roaming the, free in new york because Right. But at the same time, there wasn't any choice that they had. And Mm. also when you combine that with the fact that there isn't uh, a lot of uh, um, available, which was already a problem before the pandemic, the housing availability, um, New York, uh, Los Angeles, uh, San Francisco being uh, cities that are so costly, they were basically there. They already had a situation going on over there, especially with with uh, musicians and studio owners trying to keep their businesses uh, open locally in those cities or or uh, people just being able to live close to where they work if they if the studio where they worked uh, was still open and, and running. So that was already a problem that was happening before the pandemic. And unfortunately, during the pandemic, only very few studios survived that. And that created this uh, fortunate and, and unfortunate um migration to Miami and I say unfortunate because now we are experiencing a a similar type of uh, bubble when it comes to housing prices have risen terribly um, it's it's just a consequence Mm. of 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 that kind of economic displacement if you want to call it like that Um, Mm -hmm. so Maria I know you've spoken to headliner before with this being your first time on the podcast love to give you the proper full introduction so maybe we could talk about 
your early life getting into music and how it all led to um, the more studio side of life that you're enjoying these days. Right. Uh, yes. So, well, I have already been in, in headliner. I don't know if you, that's what you mentioned um, mm. a couple of years ago. Actually, it was right when the pandemic began. Uh, but yeah, so I have been in the music industry for about 15 years now. I am Colombian, born and raised. Um, I began my studies when I, when I, after graduating from high school, I began my studies in audio engineering and audio production uh, in Chile, in, in Santiago um, Public University. Then I returned to Bogota, Colombia, my hometown. I decided to get. Um, actually a bachelor in music while also studying for audio engineering. While I was doing audio engineering in Colombia, um, I began working during my career. So I was not only uh, working as an instructor in the university, but I was also, I, I managed to uh, find a job in a post-production facility doing audio, audio post-production for my internship, but we were actually mm. working for real television shows and movies that were being um, produced and shown in Colombia and, and actually all over the Latin America. Um, and this was while I was still a student. And I also uh, had the fortune to record and be part of some uh, classical recordings in, in Colombia with the Bogota Philharmonic Symphony. So I was doing all of that. Then I graduated. I remained uh, in Colombia for a couple of years working as producer, as audio engineer, as instructor for different universities and audio institutions in, in Bogota. And that's when I decided to move to, to the U.S. to keep uh, formalizing my studies and, and, and thinking about maybe entering the, um, the U.S. Uh, market as an engineer and producer. So I moved to Tennessee. I enrolled in the audio master's engineering program at MTSU, Middle State, um, Tennessee State University. Um, and that's where I had the chance to do a three-year program in, in master's degree in, in recording engineering. And I was also working for the university as an instructor. Um, I kept mixing for clients in Colombia and other places of Latin America. So that was pretty, pretty good. Um, like I, I didn't leave my business. You may call it like that. I just basically moved out of the, the, the country in Colombia, but I was still working for my clients um, satellite. And, um, and then I, I, I was fortunate to find a job in, at a studio in Nashville where I worked, uh, for a year and a half or so a studio chief engineer. Um, and then I decided to sort of change gears. I was, um, having a really, really cool time in Nashville, but at the same time I had to sort out my immigration situation, which obviously is a thing, uh, here in the U S. So I decided to move to Miami um, I was able to sort that out while being here. And fortunately, while coming to Miami, one of the very first people that I met is a, a, a very important um, multi-Grammy and Latin Grammy awarded uh, producer by the name of Julio Reyes Copello, who's uh, also Colombian. And, and he invited me to be part of his studio. So I worked for him for about two years or so. And then uh, I was able to move on, open my own studio, become independent. I opened my own independent label, um, which is um, Miami-based, but it's basically for Latin alternative music. 
uh, Latin American alternative music. And uh, currently I work as audio engineer, music producer, um, and, uh, and indie label um, owner. And about a year and a half or so, I began hosting a show for HBO, um, which is called The Tiny Audience, which is a music show. So I keep myself pretty busy, you may say. Yeah, that's a very strong pitch. So <laughs> congrats. <laughs> Thank on that. you. Um, yeah, it was, so from a, like a young age, were you really, was the engineering side of it always an interest for you? Or was it more like a gradual thing, would you say? Or? Well, yes and no. So I began playing um, music when I was about seven years old. Uh, I began studying guitar when I was 11. Uh, so music was always pretty much present in my life. Um, I studied guitar for about five to six years. I was uh, also studying, well, I was studying uh, music theory and everything else. And from a very young age, I knew that I wanted to make music, but I had, I was certain that I was not the type of person who could go and formalize my studies as either a composer, songwriter, or, um, or as a, as a performer, I didn't have that in me. And I, wouldn't even have liked it. Like I was, I would think about my life as a professional guitar player. And I, I just, I don't know, I picture a very sad world. Um, so it was actually through my mom, uh, because my mom, when I was born, my mom back in the eighties, she was a television executive producer. Um, so I grew up in that, um, media production environment and, and my mom would always take me to different, um, television studios and uh, network studios and music studios. So I was familiar with the world. I actually had to record some um, some uh, voiceovers for some productions that my mom did when I was a like a, a like an early teenager. So I knew the studio the studio environment. So so uh, for me, it was more about production always. And but I wasn't I like I hadn't clicked or I hadn't made the association that I could actually become one until when I was figuring out what I wanted to do after graduating from college. It was actually after graduating from high school, I'm sorry. It was my mom who who said like, well, why don't you go to audio engineering school? Because you're really good with music. You want to do the production side of it. You enjoy the recording aspect. Um, although I had never recorded, but at least I had been in studios and I knew it was super cool. And on the other side, um, I had always been like a very um, hands-on techie person. Like I would fix my Walkman and my Discman and I would be like uh, trying to figure out how things work and that kind of stuff. So my mom is like, you you have the nag for, for technology and for gear, but you also have that natural ability for music. And, and there is actually a career for that where you blend both worlds. And it made total sense to me. So I just went for it. No, incredible. Um, and I'd love to hear about kind of growing up around the Colombian music scene that I'm sure you've kind of kept in touch with. And obviously it became part of your work before you moved to America. Yeah, I'd love to hear you speak about that a bit. Well, yeah. So um, when I when I grew up, Colombia was a very complicated uh, country, of course, when I was mm. growing up, because I am a child of the 80s and the 90s. So all of that violence, it's it's something that Unfortunately, as Colombians, we cannot separate the fact that we grew up in the time where Pablo Escobar was also alive and all the um, narco violence was pretty much the thing in our country. So that influenced a lot of the music that was produced when I was growing up. 
Um, then um, I'm from Bogota, so many rock bands were um, surviving at that point and trying to make uh, and trying to make it. Uh, and that that also influenced me a lot. Uh, watching bands like Atercio Pelados, La Derecha, really, really important bands in our country that Poligamia, that that did everything they could despite the lack of support from the government, the lack of support, the lack of infrastructure. We're all like, in, oh, except for Argentina, Brazil, maybe Chile, uh, obviously Mexico, but every other country in Latin America, we didn't have a concert infrastructure or venues or um, very few recording, very, very few recording studios. And I, that actually remained up until I, when I decided and why also I decided to move out of the country in 2012, because I had no place to work at. Uh, the story has changed dramatically for good. Now it's actually the mm. other way around. There are lots of studios. There's so much music production in Colombia. Home, home recording studios changed, uh, flipped, uh, basically the, the, the um, sort of like the, the economics in, in, especially in developing countries and, and brought the ability for anyone to produce music. But back when I was uh, young, there was no way. There were, there were only two or three music studios in Bogota and people that had those jobs had those jobs. There was no interning, no training uh, facilities or possibilities. So I studied there, there, but I knew that the market was pretty limited. However, in Colombia, something that happened and, and the reason why I moved out of Chile, when I began my studies in Chile, I did it because the, the actual career was a lot more developed in Chile than in Colombia. But as I was going through, um, through my, through my studies in Chile, then I realized that the industry had sort of um, slowed down in Chile, whereas in Colombia, the industry was picking up thanks to artists like Juanes, like Shakira, like Carlos Vives. We, you know, we've got mm. this big, big pop stars, Latin worldwide stars um, that can easily go and tour in the, in the UK or Europe and people will know and they'll fill out those stadiums, same, same here in the US. So that was started that was starting to to um trickle down in 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 the sense that it it would it was there was a change that was happening and that that was enough for me to move from from chile and colombia and realize that i needed to sort of change gears because very early on i understood that in order for me it, it was great to be part of a of a really good academic environment like i was when i was in chile but if there is no industry then how can you actually become um, mm. a professional if you don't have a place where you can expand? Yeah. So I did that and I did that and I, and, and I was fortunate. And then, as I said, I began working really early on, actually before graduating. However, um, there was more. <laughs> I, was, I was a little picky and demanding. So there was more that I wanted to see. I was able, I, I couldn't, I, aside from everything that I had learned in Chile and Colombia, I there wasn't going to be an opportunity for me to enroll as a, as an intern or as an assistant at a studio and grow in there and, and work with stuff because those things weren't available uh, for anyone almost back then. Um, so that's why I decided to move to Nashville and sort of like immerse myself into that. Um, the, the situation has changed for good 
a lot. There are many, many, many studios in Colombia. People like myself from my generation and, and maybe even older generations have been able to go back there, bring equipment and, and sort of build the culture around music production. And the reggaeton phenomenon also has um, changed the landscape completely thanks to artists like J Balvin and Maluma and Carol G and all of these huge names. Uh, Medellin, which is uh, uh, Colombia's second biggest city, uh, now has become uh, a mecca for this uh, genre and for pop production. And so there is a, a huge musical scene happening in there. And there are many professionals that live there, that work in there. And, and there is a, a culture that's growing around it, which is extremely positive. Yeah, because you mentioned the situation has changed in Colombia. I know you mentioned sort of uh, Shakira, very famous artists like that, but I feel like even in the last few years in particular, it feels like Hispanic music's got just bigger and bigger, hopefully. I'd imagine because of music becoming more digital and the internet, Spotify, all these things contributing to different styles and different cultures, getting the recognition they deserve, right? And so I guess in terms of studios in Colombia, they, they would just simply have to open to meet that demand and I guess new artists being inspired, seeing Hispanic artists and thinking, well, I can do this too. Right. Would you say that's how it's gone? Yeah. Mm. And also the fact that people from my generation, as I said, and, and, and even older generations, we, we had to leave the country to, mm. to, to, get, um, to, prof, to get professional and to, and to train and, and, to, and to achieve um, accolades also. And, and many of them, not me particularly, but many, many of my colleagues decided to go back and invest in the country. <laughs> like I'm, I'm sounding like pretty bad right now because uh, like if I didn't, uh, by the way, I because I know you asked me that I 70 percent of the stuff that I do, I that I professionally do right now. I work with Colombians. It's probably 70, 60 percent of the work that I get is mm. for Colombia. And uh, so that still shows that I am pretty much connected to my scene and I have been super fortunate enough to work with a lot of my heroes which is amazing mm. um and uh but yeah so people have invested in talent in in studios and infrastructure and also many um not only not only formal like colleges and 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 schools have opened up but also other audio institutions and and even some basic trainings and 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 other non-academic environments that have formed they help overall and and grow the industry in in colombia so that's that's pretty good hmm. no amazing um i mean yeah is this clearly you seem to primarily work with hispanic artists was that a very conscious thing for you and um yeah no it's incredible that you stay so connected to the colombian music scene while not physically being in colombia but like as we've touched on the way the music industry is now you you clearly you can be in miami and still work with hispanic artists which is amazing but was that always right. a very important thing for you well yes absolutely 100 percent um also probably one of the reasons why i decided to move out of the country was because not only i i wanted i had that that need to to visit other cultures and learn from um, older industries, you may say, right? Like the national industry, music mm -hmm. industry, and and and. But I want to see firsthand 
what being in a professional, really highly professional environment look like and how people with with many years in the make have um, have been able to learn and to understand about how how to how to work with the music industry because you know our industry is very informal and and so many things can get out of hand if you don't handle them professionally right like payments um etc etc a code of contact of conduct you know those kind of things so I, i wanted to have that experience but i also wanted to have the experience of being in a room with like gear that myself hadn't ever seen or used before because it wasn't available in, in countries in Latin America, the situation is different now again. Um, but I think all of that has, in, in, in the back of my mind, I knew that I wasn't really learning that for myself. I was, I was just getting ready to learn that and, and to pass it on. Our, our, especially for audio engineering, we, we have that thing where it's like where we learn and then we get an assistant and then we train that assistant and then that assistant hopefully will train somebody else. So the minute you start um just sharing that uh that uh knowledge and that um training with somebody else from Colombia even if I am in Miami that that thing is passed on and will eventually get back to Colombia and uh and 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 then also the fact that Miami is has always been for Latin America it's it's a hub for the music industry Miami has always been rudely and deeply connected with everything that happens in in Latin America in terms of uh, music production. So being in Miami is just almost like being in Colombia for all it takes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, did I read you? Have you been involved in the Abbey Road Institute? Miami, yes. is that right? I just wanted to. Yes. I'm sure. Did I read that you actually at one point you your wish was to actually move to the UK, not to the states? Um, I did. You've got yes, like, this little piece of London. In yeah, Miami, so, which is so, cool. <laughs> so in the midst of um, of me trying to figure out where to move, actually, uh, Nashville wasn't my first choice. It was it was London. It was the UK, and I had already been accepted into the London College of Music in the uh, audio engineering program. Uh, unfortunately, I was never able to get all the money ne- necessary to to in order to get accepted for the visa. And that's mm-hmm. why I couldn't, I didn't make it. Story would have been completely different had I had, I think it was like 50,000 quid frozen on my bank account mm. for a year or something like that. So had I had that money, I'd, I'd probably had already an accent and I'd be living somewhere in London. Uh, but mm. yeah, I didn't. So I had to look elsewhere and I was able to find Nashville and I was able to get, um, get a, a scholarship and that's why I ended up moving to Nashville. Um, I really, really wanted to move to the UK. I've actually never visited, um, but I, most of my favorite bands are British. So that made total sense to me and my ear, I have a train at my ear. I, I, that's, that's the sound where I'm, whereas if I'm even mixing, uh, something that is, I don't know, uh, uh, an album that's only, Colombian folklore, traditional Caribbean music. In my mind, I am I'm listening to something else because I I grew up listening to music, British music, 
and that's the music that I love. So that's that's the sound that it's always playing in the back of my head. Mm. And the, yeah, I mean, it's so cool. I mean, I didn't even realize there was an Abbey Road Institute in Miami. Yes. But that, that's pretty amazing. Because like, obviously pretty, the Abbey Road name is an absolute... For any, 100%. Well, you don't even have to know yes. about studios to have heard of Abbey Road, of course. But <laughs> Of course, yeah. of course. It's just a... Such a such an institution. So Abbey Road, uh, this is our first cohort. Uh, we ju- Abbey Road Institute just opened up. We're still uh, working through our first generation of students. Um, we were meant to open up uh, but during 2020, but guess what happened? Uh, and yes, so it is. It is available, and um, actually, it is happening inside of uh, Miami Art House, which is. Julio Reyes Capello's uh, Julio Reyes Capello's studio, which is the producer that I worked for when I moved to Miami. So he partnered up with uh, Robin Groomers, who also used to. He was the person who opened up Abbey Road Institute in um, Amsterdam, and who's also the owner and developer of uh, Leapwing Audio. And and then he. Julio and Robin had been really good friends for a very long time. I met Robin through somebody else and it was just really funny how we just sort of like ended up meeting all together here in Miami. And then and then Julio and Robin decided to partner up and now Abbey Road is set in an art house studio. And it's it's a great um institution because our our way of uh, training students it's very much almost pretty much one to one however we do have a a cohort of students we do have a group uh about 10 or 12 but but it's pretty much um one-on-one and 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 when we go deep and we talk about things and we're open to students and 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 it's a very flexible and very boutique way of teaching um future producers which i which i love no, incredible. Um, was that like a weird blessing in disguise, not being able to make it to London? Because like, as you've mentioned, you've managed to make 70% of your work with Colombians. I'm just wondering, you know, because clearly Miami is like quite geographically linked to countries like Colombia. Right. With, with London, like you're, you know, you've got the time zone and obviously you're <laughs> the whole ocean away from Colombia. Mm-hmm. So that, that must be, that would have been much more tricky, surely, if you had made it to London, I would have thought. Right, but who knows? I mean, back then yeah, I I used to work for that and and as I said, I think I I pretty much have the ear to do that and a, and a lot of people despite me doing a lot of uh work for Columbia, some people actually hired me because they know I have a sound that is more of an Anglo sound as we call it, more of an international mm. Anglo sound. And, and so, so yeah, you never know where you, where you end up dragging stuff to your, everything that you do and you, and you like in your life actually ends up informing who you are and how you do things. But yeah, my, I love mixing pop music overall because that's where my, my, my sound goes to and, and the heavy drums and the, and the trashy sound and those open mm-hmm. guitars, which is very, very clean and wide, which is pretty much how I would just describe that British sound, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's embedded in who I am. Yeah. And Marie, you touched on a HBO show you're involved with. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. It sounds, well, I mean, it's HBO, so that's got to be pretty cool. To <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Unfortunately, it is not available for Europe or the UK, which is pretty sad. We've been trying mm. to get it up there, but it's a matter of uh, just HBO figuring out their stuff. So the show is called A Tiny Audience. It's a show mainly for the Latin audiences. However, some of the episodes are in English. Um, so it's a show where uh, there's three hosts. I'm one of the hosts. And we. it, it is a very... Um, inform it's it's based on very informal um interviews where i for example if i'm hosting the show well me being a musician and audio producer music producer myself i'll sit down with a renowned um latin artist mainly and we will have a, a pretty open informal conversation but solely and always revolving around their music around uh they have to choose four songs and those songs will be performed live for a tiny audience. So we have an audience of less than 25 people, tops, uh, sitting right in front of us. And uh, and these artists will be performing with a house band in, in 100% acoustic format, uh, those songs. And while in between each song, we talk a little bit about their lives and how they got to write those songs or perform those songs on how or how those songs got created and if we have to touch base about um aspects of the, their life their personal lives that informed why or how those songs were born we will but it's not about the gossip or the entertainment it's solely about music mm-hmm. that's why that all of the three hosts uh we are performers and musicians ourselves um and yeah, so the artists gets get to play those songs, and we have um, we will the new season will come up in in on April. We'll start again on April. We're three seasons now. We're already scheduled for the fourth season, and um, yeah, it's distributed for for the U.S. and Canada through HBO Max, and uh, in Latin America through Directv. Incredible! Did you just get a call or an email asking if you? So that, yeah, that was very weird. So starting from 2017, my friend Robin Rumors from uh, Abbey Road Institute and Leap Wing Audio uh, called me up and he said like, hey, Maria, do you know how you are uh, good uh, and very experienced in teaching classes? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, well, how do you feel about doing demos and recording all of our tutorials for Leap Wing Audio? And I felt like, sounds about good. So I began doing all the tutorial and demo videos for Leapwing Audio. If you if you go to leapwingaudio.com, you'll see my face everywhere. Um, and then through that, then other companies started reaching out to me because they liked the way as a as obviously there aren't many women, so we have to say that um, open. Uh, there aren't many women, um, especially not doing demos and tutorials about products. So there was a need for that. But there was also the need for 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 the recently discovered worldwide discovered Latin genre, which I work on, so it's pretty easy for me to talk about. But also the fact that I can speak very openly and and professionally and very and apparently well, very well <laughs> about mm-hmm. audio production and how to use the stuff that we use. So more and more brands came to me after after 2017, and I just kept doing that. I kept doing tutorials for. Sonic Scoop and produce like a pro and Plugin Alliance and Sound Toys and many other brands. And the producer for the a Tiny Audience show had been following me since um, 
I don't know, many years ago in social media because uh, he's, he was, he's a manager also for many artists that I've worked with in the past. So he had me on the back of his head for, for maybe auditioning, auditioning for a part for this um, show because he already knew that I could do stuff on, on, in front of a camera. Um, and that's how it happened. And it worked. And mm. here I am. So did you say your did you say your mum was involved in Colombian media as a job? Yes. So so it was kind of yes. in your blood in a way to, <laughs> to be a TV. hundred percent. Yeah. My mom my mom was a, a network um executive producer when yeah. I was born. So after she she gave birth to me and um, not less than six months after uh she was back producing shows. And then I remember I have this memories on the back of my head uh going having her taken me to television sets or, or remote location uh, recordings and, and then just like walking around studios or, or open places where they would be shooting a novella, you know, or a television series. And I'll be just walking and watching the cameras and playing with the actors. And, and, and then later on when my mom uh, became a communications officer for UNICEF in Colombia, then she would be in charge of, of producing documentaries, producing films, producing uh, uh, public public advertisements, um, songs, uh, many other multimedia stuff. So then any chance that she could take me, she would. So no wonder why I ended up being a music producer and my brother is a film producer. Mm. It's no, kind of like meant to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then Maria, I feel like with people like yourself, we could spend hours like unpicking all the projects you've done throughout Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's almost just easier just to say when we discuss that what what feel like your sort of favorite memories from your career and projects that felt like the most important and significant significant even at the time to you and even now um and yeah i mean i've seen have i seen you've worked with the likes of or at least been involved on projects with jennifer lopez and ricky martin all these mm-hmm. ridiculously famous names right right so i was fortunate to work in all of those projects when i was uh audio engineer for uh, Miami Art House over at Julio Reyes Studio. So um, he's a person who has been involved with all of those names and all of those likeness uh, for since many years ago. And, and joining his studio opened up the, the opportunity for me to work with them. I had been working with a newly upcoming uh, local um, artists in, in Colombia and overall Latin America. But when joining, when when after joining uh, Miami Art House, I was suddenly thrown into this pool of artists that I had n- never even widely conceived that I'd be working for, and and it was it was an amazing experience because it I felt like everything that I'd done in the past, which I had already been working uh, in the music industry for five or six years. sort of like prepared me and informed me for that moment so when when meeting mark anthony or all of those people like i was i was ready because i had been doing the hard work and and you know working doing the street work back then by then so i was ready for 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 working with the big names and it was and it was incredible Mm -hmm. and every like i remember every every instance and and the funny thing is that looking back um you never know when something becomes really important, when any experience becomes uh, like a highlight in your life. And, and, and that is, um, and that is something that 
goes back to last year when right about this time I was working on two projects. I was working, uh, I was mixing an album uh, remotely from, from here, from Miami. I had just moved into this studio. So like I, I was able to like literally bring my, all of my acoustic treatment, the one that you see behind me. And um, mm-hmm. I sort of like, I couldn't even hang it because I was so busy. I set it up by the, by the walls and I began working and I sort of tuned my studio. Um, and I kept on working. I was doing a project for uh, a very important traditional uh, African Colombian singer. And I was mixing that album remotely with her producer who lives in New York. And, um, and he's also Colombian. Um, so I was doing that project and parallel to that, I was also, uh, producing, mixing and recording and, and co-writing with a good friend of mine who I met through Julio, who is a singer songwriter also from Colombia. And, and she had just given birth. So it was like, uh, we would work while she was available. And, and because this project, we began working on it through the pandemic while she was pregnant. So we had to be really careful because that was the time where we didn't even know how COVID was transmitted. And um, so I had to get tested several times before going to visit her at her place. And we ended up doing this very homey, home record, home base um, album. And, and then we submit both the, true, the two projects that I'm talking about, both uh, Paula Arenas, who's a singer-songwriter um, that I produce her album for, and then the album that I mix, which is for Petrona Martinez, who's the African-Colombian traditional uh, singer. And both projects actually, um, so I, Petrona Martinez won the, the folklore, best folklore album in the 2021 Latin Grammys. And Paula Arenas received four nominations for the album, including uh, album of the year, song of the year, recording of the year, best Latin pop album. And now I am actually traveling on Friday to Vegas because with Paula, we also got nominated for best Latin pop album for the Grammys. Amazing. So you never know. <laughs> Well, Vegas, so that'll be sounds nice and calm. I'm sure <laughs> it is not it is not nice and calm. It is the exact opposite of mm. nice and calm. I don't like going to Vegas. The Latin Grammys are always in Vegas, and now the fact that we, I, I felt like I just came from Vegas in November, and now I'm going back. It's like, but anyway, we'll see. I mean, we are going for a great reason. So Paula is nominated. And I produced the album. So. I produced yeah. it or engineer it and co-wrote it. Mm-hmm. So, no, incredible, amazing. Um, Maria, I'd love to ask about your work using kind of waves plugins. Mm-hmm. Perhaps starting with, well, yeah, where did it, where did that start for you? Oh, um, I think I don't know. I remember using L1 as back as 2003. I remember using Trueverb, Rverb, R compression, um, REQ. I don't know how old that line is, but I know I was using it back in 2004, 2005, for sure. Um, Waves has been a part of my audio engineering career. Um, you got to know that back back in those, when I was a, a student back in, in 2000s, um, 
importing things to Latin America was really, really hard, especially stuff that had to do with software and technology. Basically, um, what would happen is that uh, like a studio would save. And also, not only that, but we also have to fight against currency. So everything that you purchase from Latin America, you have to fight against the currency. So the ex- exchange, right? Mm. So studios had to save so much money. And then somebody who would have planned a trip to this U.S. would fly over, usually to Miami. And then drive over to uh, Samish or a guitar center and buy a CD with a physical license for whatever they could afford uh, from Waves. And then they would bring it back and then the entire company would gather around the CD like, whoa, kind of. <laughs> this is the only, this is the best thing we've had. And if it was 10, 10 plugins, 10, like a license for 10 plugins, everybody would be like, um, okay. and waves was mainly the, well, they were one of the first plugin companies available. So my relationship with waves has existed since forever. And then I'll, naturally, as I became part of the music industry, the first plugins that I began purchasing were the plugins that I had grown with, like that I grew up with. So, um, I began purchasing small packages by small packages and plugin by plugin until I was able to make bigger uh bundles until finally i was able to move to the u.s and earn in you and in u.s money so i could just make better stuff and then yeah i mean i don't conceive any mix without wave stuff because i know how it sounds i don't i i'm not experimenting because i know how true verb sounds i know how our box our compression L1, L2, L3, whatever that... I remember when the LL3 multiband stuff came out, how it changed uh, music mixing and mastering forever because it opened up a new world of possibilities. You had bands and you could limit per bands and you could actually control threshold and ratio and attack and everything per band. It was like... um, Mm. So Waves is like... If everything else fails, there's waves and you know you get it right. And it's always been there and it's reliable and it's the sound that you expect to have, period. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I find with producers like yourself, they'll, they'll always love to dabble and try out new plugins, but they'll also have like their core set of plugins that they always seem yeah. to use in almost every single project. Is that the case with you and any particular waves plugins do you find? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like there's, there's not a single project that I won't have an L1. I've, I adore L1. Mm-hmm. I'll use it. I'll use it to clip very subtle um, kicks and snares. I'll use it uh, for vocals as well. Cause I, I, as I said, I know how that automatic um, sort of um, uh, release attack and release function works on the L1. I I ex- I know because I expect how it works. I've been using it for so long, so I know how to use it on a vocal. Um, the CLA package overall, like the the two A, the seventy six, um, the uh, the CLA vocals effects, uh, unplugged uh, guitars for just that extra added 
thing that uh, I can give, not that I'll base my entire mix through them and then call it a day, but um, it's just an added thing that will always brighten up stuff. Um, I've become highly attached to torque, especially for for hip-hop, urban, uh, driven productions where you have a constant uh, like hammering hi-hat, you know, or stick, and then up to one point, it sounds like it's going to hammer into your brain, right? So mm-hmm. I use torque to change the pitch a little bit on, on on in different sections of the song, and I like that. The Browerizer, I love, love, love the Browerizer for synths, for guitars, for vocals, creating extra stuff. Uh, I, I could talk forever. Our box, always, our compressor. Um, uh, oh, a plugin that totally changed my life. The HEQ, which was, I don't know if there had been more, but it was probably one of the first MS plugins that I knew. Uh, And the Mm. fact that you could do MS uh, EQing, I learned, I don't know, I just figured out that that worked for me from like years ago when it came out. And and I am very much attached to the MS EQing after that. And and you can do that with HEQ, H Reverb as well, H, H Delay. I mean... They're always in my sessions, somewhere or the other. They'll always be there. Incredible. Um, I mean, yeah, could you give us any like specific examples of the recent projects and how, how you use Waves on that project? It would be incredible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I am currently mixing a song. So as I said, like the song is, there is, a, there is an African uh, rhythm that is called Kisomba, which... Um, People may associate it a lot with uh, some of the stuff that Drake, the kind of beats and African beats that Drake was using back in like 2017-ish, which is like sort of, it it may sound like a reggaeton, but is a lot more chilled, slower. uh, And it it has a lot of, um, like the hi-hat is very percussive. and, and, And there's also a lot of stick in there. You know how those sticks can become like really eerie after a while Mm. um so as i said i use torque a lot because um i like to sometimes when producers send me uh those uh rim sticks um they're too high pitched or they're they're just too smashy and i like more uh, sort of like um opaque sounds you know like more darker tone sounds Mm -hmm. i'll use torque to find other to find other 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 areas in that low mid part of of sticks, uh, hi hats, snares, so and I can automate them for for different sections of the song, so I could have a more dark sounding um, stick for verses, and then I'll open them up and just leave them more stingy, pointy for for to create a lot more excitement for for the choruses or for bridges. Um, so that's something I do a lot. Um, I also love automating uh, the browerizer for for synths. Um, and you know, those sometimes like, especially like for pop music. Um, so producers would love to add uh, pads and synths and lead synths and top it with uh, um, arpeggiators, you know, uh, just to create like a very dense um, mass wall of sound. But then as a mixing engineer, you're like, what the hell do I do with all of this? So adding motion, um, I, used to, I also use the Mondo Mod a lot. Um, 
but that will just give you like a like a sort of like a wiper left to right sort of movement well which i'll use a lot but the browserizer it'll make your stuff sort of wind 360 and you can change uh, a pressure feeling or depth feeling as well so to create movement and excitement i'll automate that browserizer so it kicks in in the course and there's movement happening always I, i think that's pretty entertaining Amazing. And then are there any ways plugins that you feel like are actually a bit underrated as in like, are there ones you love to use and then you don't see many other producers using them as much as you do perhaps? Many, many. Uh, uh, for example, let me think, there are so many. Uh, Smack is a great, Smack Attack is a great plugin, um, you know, to to uh, either, either uh, attenuate or enhance um, transients that is a plugin that I also constantly use and it's just a very simple plugin to dial in and the one knob stuff now that now that you asked me this question they're so simple to use sometimes you forget how simple they are and how good they sound mm-hmm. that's another thing that I uh, yesterday I was using uh, for for from production, they sent me one of those those uh, like gated sort of EDM synths that open and close, and already they sound pretty good. But I always like to add more motion and more drama to my mixes. And the one knob pumper is a one stop solution for that. Like I don't even have to think; I just have it sync into the session. I dial it up to wherever I want, call it a day. I'm gone. I don't need to overthink <laughs> my my what my my presets or anything and and also people tend to forget that probably the best SSL um, channel replica that has ever been created is the is the Waves one and I'll stand by it mm-hmm. the SSL channel E or G it's just it just sounds amazing no no absolutely um. Well, Maria, thanks so much. And just final two questions. Um, first, are you allowed to share what you're currently working on and how the rest of the year's looking, or is it all top secret at the moment? Or? No, not at all. Uh, so many, many things. I'm working in many, many projects. So for now, well, we are definitely about to. So I'm, I'm going to share from from several aspects of my life. So the new season for a tiny audience is about to come out on HBO, and a pretty cool thing that I did not mention. Uh, when you asked me about it, was that um, not only will I be hosting for the for this season, but I also mixed all of the live recorded music for the mm. uh, eighteen episodes that will come live. So all of the music Ooh. that you w- will be hearing on that show was mixed by me. Uh, so that's coming out um, during the next month. Um, I am also currently working in more Paula Arenas music. Paula Arenas is a singer songwriter from Colombia, which we are currently nominated for in the Grammys and we were nominated for in the last Latin Grammys. We're coming out with more music. So that's always exciting. Um, and I am also working a lot with, um, there's a big, 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 uh, one of my heroes, personal heroes from Colombia is a big band, uh, called Arcio Pelados. They're super famous. Uh, and, uh, I am working on new mixes for them, which I began working for them last year. And it's probably one of the highlights of my life. Um, I am also currently working for, which I actually have to do right now after we hang up. I am working with uh, also a Colombian um, 
singer for um, Caribbean music uh, called Adriana Lucia. And she's doing an incredible big band traditional Caribbean um, album, which I am mixing entirely. Uh, it's a big traditional um, orchestra, big band orchestra with like saxophones and trombones and, and but with a Caribbean vibe. And um, I'm mixing the entire album. So many things. I'm probably forgetting half of them. But yeah. Yeah. It just sounds like you're working on every conceivable genre and all these different yes. cultures. It just sounds incredible. I work in many, many genres, which I love. And for me, it's also like um, if, if I don't know it, I'll, I'll figure it out. And if I don't yeah. get it, then I'll accept my failure. <laughs> it's always a challenge for me and I love it. Yeah, no, it's just cool because I speak to a lot of producers who just end up doing almost exclusively rock. And so that must be so incredible to do. I mean, with that in mind, for the final question, um, while the red carpet's still out, like if someone would say to you, Maria, like, what, what would be the, like, the first project of yours from your career I should check out to get an idea of what you do? Or maybe you could whittle it down to like two or three if it's too hard to say one. But yeah, does any project spring to mind for that one at all? Like, I usually. That's a very tricky question because are you looking to hear how I mix pop, how I mix rock, how I mix traditional Colombian music? That's that's the thing. Because if yeah. if I told you that I mix really cool kick-ass rock, then if I drag you into listening to um, the, the Colombian traditional music, you will be a little bit deceived or disappointed. Um, but, but I... I don't know. I'd say you could probably check out the stuff that I've done with Paula Arenas, uh, that mm -hmm. singer-songwriter. It's mainly guitar and vocals, and I I nailed it. I mean, it, people may say that it's like, oh, it's only guitar and vocals, but like there are levels of how you mix guitar and vocals. Um, I nailed this pretty heavily. It was really good. It sounded really well. So it, that's why I got the nomination for um, Record of the Year or mm -hmm. Recording of the Year. Uh, I have also mixed for, well, the stuff that I do for Atercio Pelados, which is this, um, very big, uh, Colombian band, their mixes, um, it's always been alternative rock. They've been going on since the nineties, early nineties, and their stuff has always been alternative rock, whatever alternative means in the moment. So when it was mm. merely more grungy punk, uh, rock, they were in that world but now it's evolved to more alternative nowadays for 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 latin america is always fused with a little bit of urban it takes a little bit from reggaeton but it mixes it with uh, uh hip-hop elements and pop elements but also distinctive rock in there so definitely check that Atercio Pelado's mm. work that i've done um yeah, yeah. but having okay. said that i know you have your um spotify place of all your mix work right she's Yes. Probably not only a great introduction to what you do, but also probably a great introduction to the contemporary Colombian music scene as well, I would have thought. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it, it, as, as Colombians, I believe the diversity that I show in my work, work is actually a reflection of who I am as a Colombian. And, and Colombians, we're a very diverse cultures. You will find um, that even within cities, we're totally different culturally. Um, our accents are different. Our um, our ways of lives are different. Um, people tend to think that Colombia is all super warm and 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 hot. And actually, no. Bogota is 
pretty cold. It can get pretty, pretty cold because it's high up. Um, so our cultures are very diverse. And, and as Colombians, we sort of like take from all of that. And, and I tried, that's how my work ended up looking like as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Maria, thanks so much for your time. And it sounds like you've got some HBO mixing to get on with. So I don't want to take up too yes. much of your time. <laughs> Because, but yeah, thanks so much. And I hope people are inspired to check out your work and, you know, more Columbia music. And um, Absolutely. Yeah. Have an awesome day. And yeah, Thank thanks you. so much. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank Bye. you, Maria. Bye. Thank, take care. Bye-bye. Headliner Radio. Supporting the creative community.